Give a hand to our worship team. Thank you so much, guys. And the guys, to be honest, that, that don't get recognised loads. And this is a production team as well. So if you don't know, we've got a camera over there. We've got a camera over there. We've got a camera here. We've got about five people up there. We'll all come at eight o'clock, set up and everything. So we thank you guys so much. You don't get to see the faces, do you? They're behind the cameras. But we really appreciate everything that you do. You might have, uh, you might have noticed, uh, if you've heard me speak before, that my voice is... It's been not very, very well this week. Um, Pastor Jackie's prayers have finally been answered, and my voice is going. Um, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and try and go through this. That's why I've got my big bottle of water. I've been sucking cough sweets for the last uh, last few days. So I'm just going to be able to. Um, I'm just going to get straight into it. Is that all right, church? Is it all right if I just get straight into it? Let's just get straight into the Word of God. I'd, I'd, I've, I'm really um, passionate and enthusiastic about bringing you. Um, a word today, and it might be a word that some of you may have um, heard before, the, mess, the, 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 the main reason behind the message, um, but I'm really feeling passionate that some of you need to hear this today. So is that all right? Good. I've also told Nathan that if I can't uh, do it any longer, he's got to come up and finish off, so his knees are knocking at the minute, but there we go. So, so if, you, if you're new to church, uh, a massive warm welcome to you, um, and as a church, we, we're following a campaign in this season, you've probably seen it everywhere, called uh, Jaira, and Jaira is, is an Old Testament name for God, meaning the Lord will provide. And uh, as, as Des quite rightly said earlier, you know, God is our provider. He provides us with, with what we need. So, so over the last few weeks, we've, we've been exploring that, haven't we, for the guys that have been here regular. We've been exploring in what different ways God provides to us. Uh, and, and, and to be honest, um, provision is, a, is, is kind of a, um, a way that maybe humans think, in a, it, firstly, in a material sense. So maybe we think about our finances Maybe we think about God providing us success, maybe in our jobs or in our situations. Maybe we think about God's provision in our living standards and things like that. And all that, of course, obviously comes from God, doesn't it? Everything that we have materially in that sense comes from God. But you know what? The most amazing and important gift that God has given us, that's not a material gift, is eternal life, isn't it? So even for some of us who, who've had that regular routine of maybe reading our Bibles and praying, we can easily lose sight of the magnitude and the depth of this amazing provision that we have. You know, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of grace, the gift of eternal life. And I know in my own life, I can, I can be so wrapped up sometimes in my own shortcomings or things that I don't have that I actually lose the perspective of God's eternal provision for my life. So I'm experiencing it, okay? And it's okay. It's okay to be like that sometimes. We are all human. But all those who, who don't know, maybe you don't know him as your Lord and Savior today, there is an amazing provision that's waiting for you if you want to accept Jesus into your life. So I want an amen on that from people that do know Jesus, just so I'm not making it up, yeah? There is an amazing provision for eternal life. And that, and that eternal provision has been given to, us by, given to us as believers by God through Jesus' death and through Jesus' resurrection. 
So Jesus was God's remedy to us as people. Jesus is the key to God's provision of eternal life. In fact, Jesus said himself in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father comes through me. So Jesus said himself that the only way to God was through him. Let me tell you some truth today. I told you I'm getting straight into it. Let me tell you some truth today. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a a good guy. If he was a prophet, he wouldn't be going around. He wouldn't have been going around saying that he was the son of God, would he? Because he'd be a compulsive liar. It just wouldn't make sense, would it? God, Jesus being a prophet. Jesus was God on earth. See, the difference between any, any religion on this earth and Christianity is Jesus. And the only way to access this provision of eternal life is through Christ Jesus. So even if you're listening today and, and you might know little about Jesus, you'll more than likely know, I'm hoping, or, or it doesn't matter if you don't, that he, Jesus died and Jesus was resurrected. So to truly understand this, this amazing provision, we've got to understand the question of, and here's the question for today, why did Jesus die? Why did God have to send Jesus? And if you're a Christian, you don't know this. This is okay. It gives you a reason to be here and hear what I'm saying. And if you already know this, then it's good to hear it again. But why did God have to send Jesus to give us eternal life? Here's a quick question for you. <clears throat> Who, what do the following people have in common? All right? Got, got a right random list of people here. And we'll work out what they have in common. Madonna. Elton John, Jennifer Aniston, the Pope, Jennifer Aniston's in Friends if you don't know who she is, the Pope, and Robbie Williams. There's probably a few things in common if we sat and and, and we thought about it for a while. But the one answer is, is that they all wear a cross. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's no religion, there's nothing in our in our religious activities that tells us who and who can't wear a cross. And many people in our modern society wear crosses, don't they? They might wear earrings, they might wear bracelets, they might have a tattoo on their arm. And the most common one that you might see is maybe a a small gold or a a silver pendant that that goes around your neck. We see people often wear those, don't we? I would imagine there's probably some people in this room today that are probably wearing those, I'm guessing. See, I've got a, a cross in my pocket. I don't carry this all the time. And this belongs to, to Pastor Jackie. And Pastor Jackie has a cross at the side of her, her bed, a bedside um, cabinet. Okay, she doesn't have to turn around to me and go like that at me, by the way, just for the record. Okay. <laughs> but uh, she, car- she, carries, she has this cross in, um, actually, it's not this cross. This is a cross that she carries in her handbag. She carries one in a handbag, and she, carries, uh, she has one at the side of the bed. Um, and there's nothing, like I say, in, our, in, our, in Christianity that tells us that we've got to have a cross at the side of a bed. I haven't got one of those, but she has. But there's nothing wrong with what Pastor Jackie does, or, or any of what you do in wearing crosses. But here's the thing, has, has it ever struck you 
And I'm going to continue with my reasoning for this, by the way. But has it ever struck, struck you in a way that it's, it's a quite a surprising thing to do, isn't it? Wearing a cross, because a cross was a form of execution. So how would you feel if I greeted you today, if I stood on the front of the deco, and as you walked in, I got a, an electric chair pendant round my neck, or an assault rifle, or something like that? That'd be a, bit, a little bit weird, wouldn't it? It'd be a little bit strange. The cross was actually a, a form of execution so cruel that even the Romans abolished it in 337 AD. So why do people wear a cross? See, the cross is a, is a symbol of Christianity. And it's almost like a, a logo, almost like a brand, a way that we can identify ourselves you may, might have a Nike t-shirt on or something like that so people can see what you're wearing and what you like to buy. A cross is, is very, very similar in, in that respect at the front end of it. <clears throat> see, another thing to think about with the cross is that most of the New Testament, so the New Testament is, 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 is the record of, of Jesus onwards, okay? So much, much of the New Testament either describes the death of Jesus, or explains why he dies. But why? Why the fascination? Why the focus on Jesus' death? See, most leaders who've influenced nations or changed the world are known for their lives, aren't they? Some people say, artists, for example, some people say, well, you don't get famous till you, till you die and everybody talks about your life. There's some funerals that we go to where we, we reflect on someone's life and we tell them how amazing they are, but we don't tell them when they're on the earth, we tell them after they've died, but we focus on their lives. See, Jesus, who unarguably, and this is not about whether we have believe in him or not, the fact is he unarguably changed the world more than any other person in the existence is remembered more for his death than his life. So why is, why is the death of Jesus so important? Why is Jesus' death different to a hero, someone who died in the Second World War maybe, or a martyr? What, what did Jesus' death achieve? Why is it so important? And what, and what does it mean? See, there's an expression in the Bible many of us will know, that says Jesus died for our sins. What does that mean? The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, and it sums up the message of the whole Bible. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his holy Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It was the first verse I learned at Sunday school. And it sometimes just absorbs into you, doesn't it? And many people who don't know Jesus know this verse. See, the main question to all those, the main answer to all those questions that I've, I've asked ourselves today, the question why, is because God loves you. So for Jesus to die, there must have been a problem that need, needed sorting out. And, and I certainly hear, and I'm sure many of you have heard someone before say, I don't need Christianity. I live, I've, I've, I live a good life, I'm a good person, and I'm generally nice to people. And parts of that is true. The Bible says, doesn't it, that we're all created in the image of God. There is something good in every single person, believe it or not. And I hear some people say sometimes, do you know what? I know this person, 
They're absolutely amazing. They're amazing, but they're not a Christian. But they're not a Christian. Guess what? They are amazing. They are amazing anyway because they're made in God's image. And to be honest with you, I know some Christians who are pretty awful as well. (laughs) So here's the other side of the coin, church. In my own life, I have to admit, there are some things, believe it or not, my wife spells out to me quite often, that I do that are wrong. Is anyone else the same? Does anybody else mess up? Maybe say the wrong thing. Maybe you do the wrong thing. Maybe you think the wrong thing. Absolutely, every single person in this building today and watching at home has done something wrong and we're guilty of this. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Romans and in chapter 3, verse 23, he writes this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So who sinned? We've all sinned. And do any of you struggle to admit that you've done wrong? When you have done wrong, struggle to admit it, okay? I struggle to do that. My classic one, if I'm honest, is driving, all right? So you need to pray for me on this one, okay? It's an area of my sanctification. But but when I'm driving and someone beeps their horn at me, I always presume that it's them that's done wrong, like, like, they're beeping the horn at me to tell me that I've got something wrong, but straight away, I'm on the, on the front foot. What do you mean? So, on our road, we've got a, a, an estate and a road that goes up, and you know these, these new estates, they build the roads as narrow as they can so they get as many houses as they can on the estate. And, and I, love, I love my neighbours, of course, I love you all, all right? But sometimes they park, like, opposite side of the road, like, bang opposite each other. Like, people have this thing, and maybe it's, a, maybe it's an English thing, I'm not sure, but that people have to park outside the house, like it's some sort of thing, like that area of that public highway. Anyway, I'm getting on one. But, but, but one of the things that really winds me up is I, I drive a, a reasonably big car, because we do a lot of camping, and I'm driving up the road, and Jackie's at the side of me, and I'll go up there, and I, get, I try to get through that gap, and there's a car coming the other way, and then they stop. So they're actually being quite nice to me, which is showing that I'm doing something wrong. They have the right of way, but I don't. And then I'll drive through and I'll go, oh, you could get a Boeing 747 through there. You could get a bus through there. I'm just really bad sometimes at admitting when I've done something wrong. And Jackie, bless her, staring in the passenger seat thinking, you should have just waited. You should she won't, actually, she does say that. She's not thinking it. Um, going, in that, going the highway code, maybe. But... As Paul says, actually, all of us have done wrong. We've all sinned. See, what does it mean to sin? And some people say, like I said, well, I I lead a good life. I generally lead a good life. See, leaving a good life really depends on who you're comparing it against, doesn't it? Who you're comparing yourself against to say that you've lived a good life. There are many different standards. And if we approached it purely from a, from a moral perspective, maybe, maybe we think of it like this. Imagine we're going to line up, or maybe up, up this way, we'll go up and down. Maybe we're going to line up everybody who's ever lived from best to worst, okay? Take us a while, wouldn't it? But people who've lived a good life from best, and the, the, the best people go at the top, of course, and the people who are worse go at the bottom, so who would you put at the bottom? Maybe you'd put like Adolf Hitler, um, some other dictator. 
your boss at work. No, uh, I don't know if I can say that. Not my boss, of course. I get myself in trouble, wouldn't I? <laughs> no, my boss is not. My boss is not at the bottom. All right, he's amazing, fantastic. Okay, got myself in trouble now. Delete the live stream. All right, after the service. <laughs> They're on holiday at the moment. Bless them. Oh dear, I'm digging myself here, aren't I? My voice has just gone. It's just gone now. So, so who, who would you put at the top? So we, we've sorted the bottom out, all right? Adolf Hitler's got at the bottom. Who would you put at the top? Maybe you'd put like Mother Teresa, someone like that. Maybe your grandma. Maybe your grandma goes to the top. And maybe if, 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 you've, if you've lived a good life, maybe, maybe you'd be somewhere in the middle. Or if you're realistic, maybe a little bit lower than the middle. So where's the standard of living a good life? Perhaps it's at the top, right where Mother Teresa is. Maybe she's the standard. She isn't. See, Paul wrote, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The standard is not the ceiling, is it? That's not the standard. The standard is the sky. Because the glory of God was shown through Jesus and compared to Jesus, every single one of us is sure. Get it? So maybe your answer to this is, well, do you know what? They do like, people do like this when they want to say something, don't they? Pull the jacket out. Maybe, you know what? Maybe, maybe we're all in the same boat then. Why does it make a difference if we're, all, if we're all in the same boat? See, it absolutely does matter because there are consequences to our actions. And I'm going to run through, just, just for, for several minutes, I'm going to run through some of the consequences, okay? And they all begin with P. So this will help you remember. One of the, the, the part of the fundamental part of this teaching, um, I was really inspired by the Alpha course and the guys that have been going through that and it's been an amazing time. And do you know what? I, I looked at some of the notes and I thought, do you know what? We need to hear this. We don't just need to be on an Alpha course to hear this. All of us need to hear this. You know, I've been a Christian for over 20 years. I still need to hear this. I'm sat there going... I need to hear this. So, so do you as well. The first um, consequence that I want to go through is the pollution of sin. See, pollution is a, is a hot topic in our world, isn't it? It is a hot topic. If we just put the slide on, that'd be great. Pollution of sin. It's a hot topic in our world at the minute. We, we've got to care for our environment, haven't we, by trying to reduce pollution. We've got to get an electric car or, or turn our lights off at night and that kind of a thing. And that's to stop pollution, to help, to help, that, uh, to help our environment be, be able to breathe and grow and thrive. See, well, G- well, Jesus says it's possible to pollute even our own lives. Mark chapter 7 verse 20 says this, what comes out of you is what makes you unclean. So in other words, what it means there is what kind of tarnishes us by making us unclean. For from within, out of your hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, etc. So, and Jesus said, he actually said, really, if, if we're angry with someone, that's kind of, kind of like committing murder in our hearts. Adultery, he said. Well, you know, adultery, again, is something that we can do even in our hearts. Then he goes to, to, to mention greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. And all these evils come from inside and they make you unclean. 
and they mess up your life. See, when I went through that list, you might have thought, do you know what, Lee? I don't actually do any of those things. I'm all right. I haven't done any of those things. They sound quite harsh. I'm okay. But even if it's slightly one, even if it's slightly one, then that's, that's too much. You know, I, I like um, making Bethy, my daughter Bethy, I like making her an omelette in the morning. I'm quite proud of my omelettes, all right? So I, 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 they're finally crafted over years of watching Delia Smith and Gordon Ramsay. But I, I make her an omelette in the morning before she goes to school. And I put a couple of eggs in there. She's gone from one egg to two eggs now. She's getting bigger. But you know, one time I put, I put an egg in and it was a rotten egg. So what did it do? It ruined my entire omelette. It's like, it's like going to court to answer for a crime that you've committed and your defense is, well, do you know what? I didn't, I didn't break any other laws, so that's all right. See, the Apostle James writes, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. The second P, the second consequence, is the power of sin. See, I don't know about you, but bad stuff is pretty addictive, isn't it? It's pretty addictive. It's almost got like a, like a bit of a power to it, hasn't it? See, most addictions are addictions because they make you feel good. If, if they didn't make you feel good, it, it wouldn't be an addiction. You would have no attraction to that addiction. You know, many years ago, um, obviously, long, uh, before I met Jackie, I, I, was, I was in a relationship with a woman who, who smoked, okay? And I'm not saying that's a sin or not. We won't get into that, right? I'm just explaining the, the concept of, of an addiction. But, but she smoked, so organically, well, not organically, by osmosis, by being around her, I started to smoke. And do you know what? Smoking's great. It made me feel great. I'm not saying it's great. It made me feel great. I had a cigarette, I had, and, and it, felt, it felt great. And I'm pretty certain about it. If I started again, I sounds like I have a minute. I've been putting some practice in this week. I haven't. But if I started it again, I'd probably, I'd probably enjoy it. It's addictive because it's enjoyable. And drugs are the same. You know, but we've, I've had the privilege, and, and we've passed the Jackie to, to, to help people through their, their drug rehabilitation before. You know, and you speak to a, someone who's had a drug addiction, they'll tell you drugs is amazing. They gave them an amazing feeling. The consequences of it were absolutely awful and it ruins lives, don't get me wrong. But the actual feeling of, of, of taking drugs brings, can bring someone's body to, to human heights. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, church? Yeah? But then there's consequences to that, of course, and that's not the right thing to do. But then there's, Jesus explains that there's other addictions in life. Jesus said that it's possible to be addicted to being angry. Some people are addicted to being angry. He says there's addictions to being selfish. There's addictions to being lustful. There's addictions to gossiping. These things can, can, can get us and they can, they can put a grip on our lives, can't they? The third P I want to mention is the penalty of sin. You know, there's something within us that, that, that cries out for justice, I feel, all of us. 
We might read a, a news article. We might read something in the news that's, um, where someone's taken advantage of someone that's vulnerable. Maybe an old person's been attacked in their home or something like this. And there's something within most of us that says, this is wrong. And that the people guilty need to be brought to justice. And quite rightly so. But I find that really easy to say about other people. Yes, they deserve it. They deserve what they, what's coming for them because they've done something wrong. But I find it much harder, and I'm sure many people do today, to say that about ourselves. I guess we're, we're happy to judge other people, but maybe not ourselves, maybe. Last year, I booked a, um, a driving experience for Pastor Jackie. So Jackie's always wanted to drive. She likes James Bond. She's always wanted to drive an Aston Martin. And obviously, I can't afford an Aston Martin. Um, so, so me and, uh, and Jackie's mum, we decided that we were going we to put together. We live near Silverstone now. It's not far away. And for a Christmas, we were going to book her in for a, a, a driving experience. So we booked the driving experience. Then I got the voucher through. And then I booked it for Jackie in the summer. Well, towards the end of the summer. So I thought, Do you know what, that'd be better. Because if it's raining, it ruins the day and that kind of a thing. So it was about a week away from, from, from when I booked it, and I got an email, and it said, um, it said we're really excited for, for Jackie to be joining us for this, for this day um, on the 2nd of September, 2023. And I looked at it, I thought, no, I did not book that for the 2nd of September, 2023. See, some of you that might, uh, 2022, sorry, not 23, 22. So for some of you that might know, the 2nd of September 2022 is probably the only date that I couldn't book, I should have booked a driving experience for Jackie. That was the day of the DARE conference, all right? I didn't quite fancy ringing 900 ladies and telling them that they had to change it because my wife wants to drive an Aston Martin, all right? <laughs> Don't think that would have gone down too well. But straight away, I got on the offensive. I'm like, I'm going to sort them out. They've booked the wrong date. I've paid this money. You know, so I emailed them, I said, right, sorry, can I, I need to change the date, please. You, you've booked it for the wrong date. I think you know where we're going here. You booked it for the wrong date. And uh, they politely came back and said, I'm really sorry, but as per our terms and conditions, you can't change the date. It's, it's non-refundable, whatever. I'm like, flipping heck. I'm going to give it them, right? I'm going to give it them. And if you ever, in fact, I'm not offering this as a service, but I'm really good at sending snotty emails, right? If there was a degree in anything that I would pass with first, first, get a first in, it would be writing like passive aggressive snotty emails. Okay, it's part of my sanctification, all right? So, you know what I did? I went on the, um, I went on the internet, not that I've ever done this before. I went on the internet and I found the managing director's email address of Silverstone, okay? I actually guessed it because you can go, Find out the name of company's house or wherever, and then you normally go John.Smith at Silverstone, whatever. So I worked it out. This is how much planning I put into this. Because they've booked the wrong date, alright? So I went, so I emailed, I emailed them and I copied in um, I copied in the managing director for I'm not having this, alright? Copied in the managing director. And then after I sent the email, I thought, I'm also going to prepare all my evidence, okay? I'm going to get all my emails, that have, all the interactions that have ever been sent. So when they come back and say, blah, 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 and I'm going to go through the terms and conditions and everything. Um, I opened the first email that I'd sent, and I booked the wrong date. I booked the 2nd of September, 2022. It was, it was 
it was my fault, <laughs> okay? It was my fault. I was convinced that I'd not done it. There was something wrong with their website or whatever. I didn't. I booked the wrong date. So I, I said, Jackie, when did I book? When did I? Because you booked, um, you booked the date when you got the voucher. And I was with her at the time. And she said, oh, yeah, we'd had a real long... She looked in the diary. She went, we had a real long day that day. And it was 9 o'clock at night. I'm thinking, these are all pointing evidence to me. But I was ready to, to, to point the finger. Do you know what I mean? I was ready. That was my automatic reaction to point that finger. Where, in fact... It was, me that was in the, it was me that was at fault. You know, St. Paul writes in Romans, you therefore have no excuse, you, you who pass judgment onto someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. See, when we point one finger at someone or something, we heard this before, there's three fingers pointing back at us. The fourth P is the partition of sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when Paul mentions death here, in this, this instance, he doesn't mean a physical death. He's talking about a kind of spiritual death. And that death comes from us turning away from God. So there's a kind of partition, a, a separation that's caused by the things that we do wrong. The prophet Isaiah says that it's not God that can't hear you. He's that, he says that your iniquities have caused a separation between you and God. And the things that we do in our lives, those things that we mentioned and many more, have the potential to cut us off from God eternally. It's like, it's like when you're in relationship, you're in a relationship with someone and, 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 and it's coming towards the end and you know that and you can't no longer look them in the eye. Do you understand what I mean by that? You know, some people sometimes say it's like, it's like when you're trying to pray to God and you just feel like there's, there's just nobody there listening or no one's receiving your prayers you're not really, you don't really know where they're going or where they should go or the feeling that nobody's there to listen to them. That's that kind of partition that he's talking about. So thank you for hearing me depress you, all right, for, for 20 minutes. So I apologise about that. In fact, I don't apologise about that. It, it is, those bits are bad news. But to appreciate the good news of Jesus... And trust me, church, if you don't know that, you don't know that it's good news, it's very good news, all right? It, we've got to understand what he's brought us from. See, the message of our faith is overwhelmingly good news. And the good news is that God loves us, and he's, not just that he loves us, but he's chosen to do something about it. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to do something about it. He's given us a solution to this big mess. He's given us an eternal provision. See, here's the solution. Here's the eternal provision. And it's amazing. I still find it a mystery. I still can't comprehend it. I find it beautiful. I find it profound. But it's basically this. God came to this earth 
in the person of a son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Jesus came to die for you because he loved you and loves you so much. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this. He himself, and he's referring to Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. In other words, the tree, other words, on the cross. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, by Jesus' wounds, you have been healed. I'm sorry, church, if that doesn't bring you to life, nothing's going to do. See, this isn't a third party being punished for us. Jesus, Jesus didn't, um, didn't pick a, a stranger off the street or, or even use a prophet or, or, a, or a holy person. Um, see, he didn't do that because, one, it wouldn't work because it wasn't, it wasn't a sacrifice. It wasn't him sacrificing himself. And secondly, it would be wrong. It would be morally wrong, wouldn't it? This is God making a sacrifice of himself for us. I'm on my own, I think. You're still there. But what does this mean? What does, it, what does all of this mean? You might be thinking that. On the 31st of July, 1941, a prisoner escaped from Auschwitz. And as a response to that, 10 people had to die in, starva in a starvation underground bunker. One of the men who was selected to die was a man called Francis, I'll, I'll, I'll try and say his name, Gesingsigetdeck. We'll call him Francis, all right? And when Francis was selected, he cried out. He said, ah, my poor wife and children, I'm never going to see him again. And at that moment, a Polish man, a very unimpressive looking in many ways, he got round glass, wire glasses on in wire frames. He stepped out and he said, look, I'm a Catholic priest. I've not got a wife. I've not got any children. I just, want, I just want to die instead of that man. And to everyone's amazement, his offer was accepted. Maximilian was the name of the Catholic priest. You can Google this, okay? It's real. He was 47 years old at the time. And when he went to, to the, with others to the starvation bunker, he was a remarkable man in that situation. He got them all praying he got them all singing hymns. He transformed the atmosphere, apparently, in that bunker. And he actually was the last person to die in that bunker. He was actually given a, a lethal injection of carbolic acid on the 14th of August, 1941. 41 years later, on the 10th of October, 1982, Maximilian death was put in its proper perspective. There were in St. Peter's Square in Rome, in, present, in the present crowd of 150,000 people, which had 26 cardinals, 300 bishops, and archbishops, and all these people with their robes on and everything. Um, there, there was a big memorial for that guy. And the Pope actually said, it was a victory like that won by our Lord Jesus Christ. Apparently, Francis, who was the guy that was saved, spent the rest of his life going around telling people what Maximilian had done for him because he died in his place. Wow. And this happens, doesn't it, across the world. But in an even more amazing and wonderful way, Jesus died for every single one of you listening today, every single one person on this earth. He endured suffering for our sins. I mentioned earlier, crucifixion was one of the most brutal ways to die. 
He hung there, Jesus, in unspeakable pain for over six hours while his life slowly drained away. The New Testament doesn't concentrate on the physical and emotional agony too much that Jesus went through. It doesn't focus on that too much. But what it concentrates on is this one unique thing. The spiritual suffering of Jesus as he was cut off from his father as he carried our sins on his shoulders. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was on that cross dying for every single one of your sins. And he was cut off, remember, not for what he'd done. Jesus was perfect. He wasn't hanging there for what he'd done. He was hanging on that tree because of what we'd done. See, do you see where, where, where this all leaves us? Where, where does it leave us? Where does the action leave us? It leaves us to have a relationship with God. We've gone through that verse a couple of times. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so that. There are results to what he did. He gave an eternal provision. You know, I heard one person describe a cross like a, like a beautiful diamond. With a, a beautiful diamond, you can look at it from different angles, can't you? You can look at it from different colours. It can have diff, uh, from different lighting perspectives. See, when you look at the cross, you can see that from many different angles. But however much you try, you can never fathom the depth or the beauty of the cross. It's almost like a, like a mystery in a sense. But the New Testament tells us that one of the angles is that it shows us how much God loves us. And today, if you're, never gonna, if you're not going to hear anything else, I want you to hear one thing. And that is, God loves you. If you ever feel that doubt or you need reminding, look at the cross. Look at the cross because Jesus loves you. You, greater love, Jesus said, has no person than this, than that they lay down their life for their friends. You know, some people ask the biggest objection to the Christian faith, and this is one that I personally struggle with at times as well. How can there be so much suffering in the world? And we don't have, we don't have simple answers to explain it. You can't explain it in a sentence. But what we know is this, that God came to earth in the person of his son and he suffered for us and now he suffers alongside us. See, the cross and the resurrection is like one event and it, it tells us that actually evil has been defeated because Jesus rose from the dead, the cross really worked and the powers of death, the powers of evil have been defeated. Through his death and resurrection, we've been given three provisions. And I'm going to go through these very quickly. The first provision is that the slate has been wiped clean and we can have a new start. Whatever sins you've committed, whether they're big sins, whether they're small sins, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they're all the same in the eyes of God and they're all wiped clean. 
There's no hierarchy of top to bottom of who's the best and who's the worst. In the eyes of God, through his, through his death and resurrection, we are all made worthy in his eyes. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins and washes away the pollution of sin in our lives and gives us a new start. Another provision we can, we can, we can receive is that we're set free from all that bad stuff. The habits, the addictions that we've all accumulated in our lives. See, what happened in the ancient world, just like today, is that people got themselves into debt. And one of the ways you could get yourself out of debt was to sell yourself into slavery. So you go to the marketplace, you'd have a price around your neck, and that price would be how, what your debts are. And then if someone's really nice, um, most of the time not, they would come and they would either, either buy your debt and set you free, which never you rarely, really happened, or they would buy your debt and then you would become their slave. And that was called a ransom price. See, Jesus said, I have come to give my life as a ransom to set us free. All debts are paid. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. And Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, he is free indeed. You really will be free. You will be free. But this, in my, as in my case, if I'm honest, when I found Jesus, it was a, it was a process. Some things I found as soon as I came to Jesus, I was, I was set free from. And other things took time. But you are set free. The third provision is that we receive total and complete forgiveness. Jesus deals with it. Paul says that through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ's death, we have been justified. Some of us heard that word, justified. Justified is actually a legal term. If you went to court and, you, and, and, and to be judged and you were acquitted in that scenario, you were justified. Does any of you remember or know or have that, have, remember that feeling of what it's like to be forgiven by someone? It's freeing, isn't it? It's a resolution to that relationship. It's a reconciliation to that relationship. It's a huge weight being taken off your shoulders. Now, this forgiveness that Jesus is giving is not a temporary thing until you do something wrong again. It's an eternal provision. God's forgiveness is for eternity. It's greater than forgiveness from a friend or a partner or whatever. It's God's huge gift of provision for us. That eternal weight that we carry is no longer because it's been lifted. Then the fourth provision, and I'm nearly finished, is we can become part of God's family. It's a restored relationship with God. St. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. He says, God was in Christ reconciling the world, the world being you and me, to himself. God came himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and to die for me. And therefore, it's possible for us to be reconciled with God. And then when we're reconciled with God, what you find is that other relationships become reconciled as well, potentially. Maybe husbands and wives, friends or whatever it is. So God loves you. And that's the part of the, the Christian message of following Jesus. And you might have heard this before. You might be sat there thinking, why is he telling me this? I've heard it all before. I'm not going to apologize for that church because it's so important. 
If we are people who want to walk with Jesus, we need to frequently remind ourselves of these provisions that forms part of our worship, forms part of our worship, forms part of our daily lives. It's a mindset change. And for those who haven't heard this before, or maybe fallen away from Christ, let me tell you something. It's an amazing gift. And it, and it, but it's a gift that he'll never force on us. It's a gift that he'll never force for us to, to receive. We've got to choose to receive it. We've got to make a decision to, to take it. If, if I came to your house with a gift, you can't say, I don't know if I want to take it, and we're on, stood on the doorstep. You either say, yes, please, or no, thank you. It's as simple as that. There's no sitting on the fence. But to accept this gift is very simple. And it takes an action of acceptance from your heart to God. First of all, to say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for all the bad things that I've done in my life, which have led me to turn away from God, but then to accept his gift of eternal life. So I'm just going to say a, a, a very simple prayer uh, to make us uh, able to, to facilitate to do that. And church, if, if, if you've already said this prayer before, it's, it's absolutely fine. It'd be really good to support those that haven't said that before. So if you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I'm sorry for the things in my life that have been wrong. And I'll turn away from everything that I know is wrong. And I now receive your gift of forgiveness. I put my trust in what you did on that cross for me. And I ask you, please, to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me strength to lead the kind of life that deep down I'm longing to lead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, that is an amazing step. If you're nearly there, that's okay as well. We'd love to just, just help you on your journey with that. Just head down to the cafe after the service or if you need to rush off, just send a message via our website. We'd love to help you on, your, on this journey of reconciling with God. You know, God's so pleased. If you said that today, God is so pleased with your decision, with your acceptance. There's parties in heaven, you know. We can't hear it. There's parties in heaven. So yeah, just, just reach out to us. God, can we, uh, church, can we also just continue to, to, or if we're not, just start to pray for those people as well? For the people that know Jesus already, can we just pray for those people? Can we do that? Just in the coming week, that would be amazing. Thank you, church, so much.